Well, good evening. Good evening, everyone. And welcome to Elevate. I'm Pastor Mike. And what's that? You are at Elevate. We're glad that you're here. And whether you're a first-time guest, returning guest, or someone who's going to be listening to this recording later on, we're glad that you're joining us. We are starting a new series for the next six weeks called Kingdom Come. And we're going to look at the life of King David. And tonight we're actually going to be looking at his life and seeing how he became anointed as king. But also we're going to talk about the battle between David and Goliath. How many of you in here have some idea of this battle that we're going to be talking about tonight? Some of us in here, right? All right. So maybe some of you, and for you for the first time, I'm glad that you're going to be hearing about this event. Maybe for some of you, you've heard about this event, and it's been like a rah-rah, motivational type, like underdog story. While part of that is true, I'm not here to just motivate you for a couple hours, go on out and have a good time. There's a little bit more to it than just David overcoming and beating the obstacles in front of him. We need to look at the fact that David stood for the kingdom of God, no matter the cost it took. Remember that. David stood for the kingdom of God, no matter the cost at hand. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the students. I thank you for the leaders that are here this evening, Lord God. Right now we come to your, in, into your presence, Lord God. We're here to focus on you, and your kingdom, and your throne, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, right now I pray that you just use me as a vessel to speak truth into the students' lives and into all of our lives in here, Lord God. I pray tonight that all of us can walk away knowing that we can believe and trust in you and believe in your power that you can help us overcome any obstacles in our lives. Because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We give you the praise and glory of what's going to happen here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so before David was actually named king, there was actually a man named Saul. And be, at one time, um, I can't go into all the history because we don't have 24 hours to go into all of it. I'm kidding. We're not going to be here for 24 hours. Um, there was a man named Saul who was first elected as king of Israel. The problem was that he failed to live up to what God's standards were and his expectations of God's people. We see in the middle of the book of 1 Samuel, after a prophet named Samuel confronted King Saul about his poor decisions, about the way he was being disobedient to God, the book transitions from King Saul and his life to David and his life. And see, God sent Samuel on a mission to find the next king. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1-13, which I encourage you guys to read later on tonight, we see a man named Jesse present seven of his sons before Samuel. Now, to let you guys know, this wasn't like Israel's next king contest. He didn't take all seven of his sons like, he's the next king, he's the next king, he's the next king. They had no idea why Samuel was coming. Samuel just came by and said, hey, I want to sacrifice. I also want to know your family. Okay, great. And so one by one, Samuel is meeting his sons. And Jesse and, I'm sorry, Samuel meets the oldest son, Elab. And right away, when Samuel looked at him, he's like, he's surely the next king. He has all the, he's got the looks. He's tall. He's strong. He fits the bill to be the next king. And while Samuel was impressed, God was unimpressed. Elab's appearance, height, and stature did not even register or wasn't even relevant to the qualities God had for him. And one by one, you'll read that each of the seven sons that Jesse initially presented or introduced to Samuel, all of them were rejected. 
We aren't given a specific reason why, only that while outwardly they may have fit the bill as king, God weighed their hearts and found that they were lacking. We see in verse 7 of uh, 16 uh, the following statement that the Lord says to Samuel. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, God saw right through the outward appearance. He looked past the strength and physique of these people. While there's nothing wrong with the way they looked or how strong they were, it didn't really impress God whatsoever. He was ultimately looking at their hearts. And finally, Samuel asked Jesse, as the Spirit prompted him, he asked Jesse, do you have one more son? And Jesse said, yeah, he's actually out in the fields. And so he brings David, who David was a shepherd at this time, which... To let you know, it wasn't a fancy position in Israel. Like, no one was like, oh, I want to be the next shepherd of Israel. The text implies here that David was outwardly unimpressive, even, though, even to those who knew him best. No one who saw David that day imagined that they were looking at the next great king of Israel. Why? Because they all judged him based off what the world judged him on and, his, on, and on the world's standards. They were taking an outside-in approach, one which would have been placed on Elab and also the same approach that was placed on Saul. When it came, but the Lord judged David by a different standard, a higher and truer one. It all started with David's heart. And so after David was anointed future king in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 12-13, we see the next thing for David was his battle against a mighty warrior named Goliath. And the author's aim is to demonstrate why it was fitting for David, for David to relate, replace Saul as the nation's ruler. God was going to give the Israelites a glimpse at their future king to see his faithfulness on the inside manifest itself on the outside. Ultimately, the Israelites and King Saul and everyone there that was going to witness this battle saw David's heart come on to the outside here. And so the battle took place in the, ba- in the valley of Elah, where Israel's army, including David's brother, were camped against the Philistines. Jesse actually sent David to visit his brothers and see about their well-being and take them supplies. And so for the past 40 days, David goes back and forth to check on uh, his brothers and the rest of the army that Saul had there. And the army, the Israelite army, before David actually heard this, for 40 days listened to Goliath shout against Israel, defile God, and taunt them to send one of their best men to fight. But one day, on the 40th day or the 41st day, David, David hears Goliath. And this is what verse 23 says. As he, David, was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines. And he spoke these same words again. And David heard them. So David, for the first time, hears Goliath speak all these bad things about the nation of Israel, speak all these bad things about the army. But most importantly, David heard Goliath speak bad things about the living God. And when David heard these words from Goliath, we see his his response down in verse 26. And it says this, Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes 
the disgrace of his taunting from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he has taunted and defied the armies of the living God? See, we need, to, we need to understand something. While the Israelite army was upset that Goliath was talking badly about, the, about their nation, David was more upset that Goliath was defying God. He was upset that God, I'm sorry, that Goliath was saying negative things about God. And at one point, David says, I'm going to fight this guy. I want to go fight this guy. And they finally take him to the king. And and David actually defends himself to Saul and says why he should fight Goliath. And this is what 1 Samuel 17 says, starting in verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and attacked and rescued the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I seized it by its whiskers and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted and defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will rescue me from the hand of the Philistines. And Saul, and Saul said to David, Go. And may the Lord be with you. We read in these scenes, we see something radical take place in David. He immediately desires to act and demonstrates the depth of his trust in the Lord. David would stop at nothing to put an end to Goliath's mockery of the living God. David believed that the same God who delivered him from the bears and the lions while he was a shepherd also believed he can deliver him from Goliath. But David also knew this wouldn't be automatic. David also knew he had to fight. This is what happened in the wilderness. He wasn't, this wasn't a surprise to him. Yes, the Lord was going to deliver him, but the Lord's deliverance came through David's actions. And that's what trust looks like. Trusting in the Lord and acting in obedience, knowing that God is going to come through. We actually read hundreds of years later, James, the brother of Jesus Christ, tells us the same thing, that, by, that faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. And as I mentioned, Saul would not allow David to face Goliath, and for good reason. Number one, Goliath was challenging a warrior. And you need to understand something. David was your guy's age. David was like 14, 15 years old. He's a shepherd, scrawny little guy. Has never fought in war. And you got Goliath, who has probably 30 years of experience as a warrior. This giant who's like nine feet tall. Best demonstration, I don't have a chair or or stool, but if I was on a ladder and I brought one of you next to it, that's what that battle would be looking like at this point. Thanks, buddy. And here's the thing. This was a winner-take-all contest. See, if Saul marched David out to to battle Goliath, not only would David lose, but so would the entire Israelite army. But Saul would relent... And David would go on to face Goliath in one of the briefest yet most epic battles of Scripture. And I mentioned this to our student leaders. I said, imagine both parties right now. Imagine the Philistine camp and the Israelite camp. you got the Philistine camp, right? And their champion, Goliath, big and strong. And all of a sudden they see Goliath. Or not, I'm sorry, they see David. This 14-year-old boy, scrawny. No armor, no sword. He's got a slingshot and some rocks. 
This was probably their reaction. <laughs> There's no way he's going to beat this. All right, guys, let's get ready. We're going to go, we're going to go attack the army. We're going to win this. Let's go. And then you got the Israelite army who they, they, they're hearing commotion. They see someone. Who's walking? Who's walking? Is that, is that David? King Saul, you're, you're sending date. What? We're going to die. We're going to lose. Let's just run right now. Like, you have two different aspects of it. But here's, here's one thing that's powerful on both sides. Both, pe- both camps were looking on outside experience of what was going to happen. No one was looking up and saying, okay, who, is God going to come through with this? And so, 1 Samuel 17, verses 40, starting at verse 45, paints the picture of the battle. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. Pretty self-explanatory of what David's about to do here. And in this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And so it was, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put in his hand and his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. I'm sorry, but with a sling and a stone, struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they ultimately fled. And so victory goes to David. Victory goes to the Israelites. Most importantly, victory goes to the living God. And as I said, people today love to use this event as an analogy about the underdog that no matter the odds, no matter the circumstances, you can do it. Just believe in yourself. But that misses the point. God doesn't want us to read this story and come away with a cocky insurance and that, that gives us this right confidence that we'll achieve, we'll achieve whatever we set our minds to. Yes, we get a glimpse and an idea of David's courageous act and something that we should, we should uh, do. But that's not the main point of the story here. The main point that we should all walk away with tonight is that God was looking for a king who reflects his heart and will fight for his people. God was looking for a king who reflects his heart and will fight for his people. And the same is true for us today as followers followers of Christ. God is looking at us to reflect his heart and to fight for his people. As Christians, he is looking for us to reflect his heart in our cities, in our towns, in our schools, in our clubs, in our sporting activities. He's looking for us to reflect his heart and fight for his people. The entire scene of David's conflict with Goliath gives us a representation of warfare. When David took on Goliath, it was not merely one man against another. This was Israel and the Philistines squaring off. What's more, the battle between Israel and the Philistine represented the struggle between their gods. 
as both David and Goliath mentioned in their taunting monologues. And when David won, the entire nation of Israel shared in his victory, even though they did nothing themselves to earn it. See, we get a picture of David's David's courageous faith in God's power. But we also catch a glimpse of the bigger story of the Bible and of the coming king who would whom no one would have expected or chosen to win the victory. But through his death and resurrection, he is mighty to save. And that King of kings and Lord of lords is Jesus Christ. And as we continue this series, we're going to see David be successful. We're going to see David be victorious. But we're also going to see the human nature. We're going to see the sinful nature of David and his consequences. One thing we can rest assured, though, about Jesus Christ is that he was a perfect person. He was fully God. He was fully man. He lived a perfect life. He died for our sins. He conquered death by rising from the grave on the third day. And He's going to come back again. Save His people. Destroy Satan once and for all. And we will be in eternity and kingdom once and for all. But before that time... I think it's safe to say that all of us in here have our own Goliaths, right? I know me personally, sometimes my Goliath is anxiety. My Goliath could be wondering what everyone else is thinking. Do people really respect me? Self-esteem issues sometimes. Those, those are Goliaths that I constantly have to battle with and take to God, take to Christ and say, I'm taking these captive and you're destroying them at your cross. And so tonight, what I want us to do, and if I can have some of the leaders, there's the index cards and pens in the back. I'm going to have some of our leaders pass out some index cards and and pens. And during our time of worship, I want you guys to think about the Goliaths that you're going through right now. Maybe maybe you have a Goliath that is is anger. Maybe you're dealing with depression. Maybe you've thought of suicidal thoughts. Maybe you have broken relationships that you're dealing with. Maybe you're addicted to drugs. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you, you, you know your Goliath. And so during this time, during worship, and I'm going to call the worship team on up now, um, I, want us, I want us to ask God to open up our hearts. To open up our minds and show us, hey, what are, what are Goliaths that are holding me back? What are some sinful things that are holding me in bondage instead of living in the freedom of Jesus Christ? And during that time, as you're writing it, and once you're done writing, myself and a couple leaders are going to be up here, a couple leaders in the back are going to be around. I want you to come up with those cards, and we're going to pray against those Goliaths. Because here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to believe in the power of Jesus Christ and knowing that He can overcome all things. See, He's the Creator of this world. He's the King of King of all things. And we're going to come into to prayer tonight believing that He can help us overcome and destroy these Goliaths in our lives. So with that, I'm going to close this out in prayer. Worship team is going to start. We're going to go through our cards. And like I said, myself, some of the leaders will be around. You come on up and we'll pray for you guys. So... Heavenly Father, we just thank you for tonight, Lord. God, we thank you for the story that, and the, the events that we see of David here as how, of how he overcomes Goliath by trusting in you, believing in your power, knowing that just like you delivered him from the lions and the bears, that you delivered him in beating Goliath. 
Father God, I pray as we go into this time of worship that all of us in here, as we recognize what our Goliaths are, that we recognize that you, that, and believe that you have the power to destroy them, Lord Jesus. I pray that we come boldly, we come confidently, we come fearfully to you, Lord Jesus, and asking you to take these Goliaths and destroy them for us. Because we can't do it on our own. No matter how many times we want to try to do it on our own, we're always going to fail. But when we have you, when we have your power, when we have the same power that rose you from the grave, Lord Jesus, that's when we can conquer our Goliaths. We can conquer our sins. We can conquer the bondage that is holding us back. And we can be set in freedom with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, my God.